Welcome to New York's Finest, Retired and Unfiltered Podcast. The mission of this podcast is to explore the life and experiences of those who at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. This show hosts a wide variety of guests from all walks of life and professions, but remains centered around introducing retired members of the NYPD to our audience while having real unfiltered discussions. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions on past and present events like you've never heard them before. All right, everybody. Welcome to New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. Uh, on this episode, we're going to go into another. We're going to just highlight again the hypocrisy that's going on in New York City. You know, we've seen it recently with uh, Pat Lynch not coming out and endorsing the governor in New York, but giving fifty thousand dollars to Governor Hochul. Um, and there's just so many things that are, that are just so arbitrary and capricious and one-sided and none of it makes sense and double talk. And here's just another example. Um, on my guest today, I've been following for a while, ever since the story broke. Uh, in my opinion, he is being persecuted for his political ideology. Um, he is, not only is he being persecuted for his political ideology, but we're also going to speak about how People who were accused and guilty of the same things that only he is only accused of were offered different, were met with different uh, results and different outcomes. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I'd like to welcome you guys to the show today. The great and powerful Sal Greco. Sal, thank you for joining us, my brother. Thank you, John. It's an honor to be here. And, uh, you know, as a uh, fellow cops, it's good to be somewhere where there's another cop who understands exactly the system and everything that not only I've gone through, but you have gone through and you understand the game, so to speak. And we're both Paisanos. That's another one I like. Absolutely. So, so Sal, if you don't mind, could we just back up on you totally? Like, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like where'd you come from? What, what, you know, how'd you grow up? What made you decide to be a police officer? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I grew up, I was actually, I was born in, uh, in uh, Bay Ridge back in the old days. It was Victor Memorial hospital. Now it's the Veterans Hospital. So I grew up in uh, Bensonhurst. Uh, I've also lived, I live in Florida now. I lived in Florida when I was a kid. So I actually came back home, basically, in my own eyes. So I grew up in Bensonhurst in Bay Ridge. I was a neighborhood guy. I worked in, I had my own businesses. So uh, I was very uh, used to the neighborhood, we'll say, of Bensonhurst and Bath and uh, Bay Ridge and Brooklyn, we'll say Brooklyn South in general, Canarsie. I spent a lot of years there. I've also spent a lot of years out of town. So I knew a lot of people up and down the East Coast, um, predominantly uh, many Italians, because I am an Italian-American. So it was, uh, it's you know, I spent a, a lot of years there before I was a police officer. Uh, getting to the fact that I became a police officer, I did have family that was in the, um, I believe it was the FBI or also in the NYPD. And they had told me, hey, look, Sal, maybe you, you'd want to try out someday, you know, finish school or college and go to, you know, become a police officer or a, or a federal agent. I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, my father, you know, God rest his soul. He used to tell me you probably won't end up liking the people you're going to deal with. He ended up being correct. And, uh, you know, I never listened to my father and I should have. 
But uh, I took the chance and I and I did it. And I uh, did at least up until in August, it was over 14 years I was in the NYPD with an unblemished record. There's nothing there. There's very minor things like, you know, any other cop would get, you know, off post, garbage, what we call command disciplines. It was nothing. There's nothing major on my record, uh, short of how they're trying to uh, uh, show me now in a different light as of today with uh, my case that uh, they basically railroaded me uh, out of the NYPD. So, so Sal, like everything I've read about you and everything that everybody's going to know about you is you had a relationship with Roger Stone. Roger Stone was going to come on here today. He got caught up in something. Maybe we'll get him on at a later date. Uh, but there, you have done several interviews with Roger speaking about your relationship and all that. And if you don't mind, could you just go into that, like how you met Roger, what your relationship was with him and, 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 and basically what started to happen at work? Like, yeah. I, how everything went down at work so yeah. and then how everything started so actually uh we'll go back a little further uh during my lifetime i used to always uh follow politics not so much into it like i became but i was into politics i definitely followed donald trump i've been following donald trump since probably wrestlemania 4 and i saw him yeah. shaking hands with hulk hogan and as a kid i was i'm still the biggest hulkamaniac i loved hulk hogan he was my idol so yeah. i saw hulk hogan donald trump i said oh this is the guy I want to I want to I want to follow Donald Trump. I mean, he loves Hulk Hogan. So from that moment on, I followed Donald Trump. I was back in 87 or 80. I was five or six years old. So and my family always liked him. I mean, Trump was a big guy in the 80s, as well as Hulk Hogan. So uh, I did follow Trump. So I knew about Roger because growing as you got old, Roger was he's he's known Donald Trump for 40 plus years. They're, they're close friends. He worked for him. He on and off worked for him. So Roger. Uh, you would always see him pop around with Donald Trump. And then he also ran uh, Bob Dole's campaign. I mean, he's numerous places. So we fast forward to now is about 2016 or 15 when Trump finally announced he was running for president. I actually went to Trump Tower and there's a record of somewhere. I tried to sign up to work in the campaign, which I did not know as a cop. You can't even volunteer. Somebody had to tell me that after I went there that you can't work even volunteering because it's a conflict of interest actually in a patrol guide. So I never went through with everything, even though I went there and, and tried to sign up for the campaign. So enter everything that happened after he won. It was pandemonium. They were looking to investigate everyone and everybody that knew Donald Trump or was associated with him. Enter Roger. So uh, once I finally got on uh, Instagram, I uh, was following uh, Rogers, one of the people I followed first. And I was I would comment on some of his pictures because the things he posted, there was a like the vitriol of people. We want, you know, you should die. You're a Russian agent, all this stuff. And yeah, like, listen, we're cops. I looked at everything and I knew that this was a scam from the beginning. First of all, the guy that was starting the whole point with the uh, whole prosecution, which was Andrew Weissman. You look him up. Talk about a guy that should be disbarred, sanctioned, you name it. Andrew Weissman. Just look up his record. Enron. So he was running this whole thing, and uh, I looked into it just brief. I was running through all the documents online and reading it. And as you know, I, I was an active cop. I got almost a thousand arrests underneath my belt. Three hundred and twenty or so were mine, and the rest I was involved in. So uh, I was very familiar with the courts. I read. I was reading up on Roger's case, and I said, "This guy is. It's just the total. This is a railroad job. They're going to railroad Roger. If they're going to try to put him in prison for this stuff." It, it would be the most egregious and outrageous prosecution in the history of the United States. 
So I was reading up on what they were saying about him, and I just I defended him on it. I says, listen, Roger's a great guy. You know, I, I know he worked for Trump, or but that that doesn't mean now people writing, I hope you die, I hope your wife dies. And I, I met Nidia later on. She's a great woman. So uh, I finally, Roger then messages me back and says, hey, you know, how are you? You know, I was like, is this really Roger? He goes, yeah, it's, it's me. I'm messaging you. And we just started having a dialogue. I didn't know he actually lived in New York on top of living in Florida. So then we ended up, uh, we ended up saying, you know, he wanted to meet me. He's like, yeah, you know, I always like meeting people that, uh, you know, support me or whatever. And then we met in, in, in Manhattan and we just hit it off. I mean, he's actually Sicilian, two Sicilian guys. We're talking about food. We went to have, uh, we ate somewhere, I believe. And I met Nidia. That was the first time I met Nidia in person, his wife. So uh, we ate and we had, uh, I forgot where we went. It was somewhere in Manhattan, though. We we had a, one, of, one of the places he loves to eat. We had good Italian food, had a good time. And from that moment on, we always we always spoke. I, I started talking to Nidia. Uh, eventually, I did come to Florida. So we got we got closer and closer and closer, but not the way people think. Like this, a, this is a friendship where someone is, is is bringing you in and like bringing you in and it's like family. I mean, Roger's not just close with anybody, and neither is Needy or his family. Because then eventually, I met his daughter. I met his uh, his son, who's also a cop, by the way, in Broward County. So uh, you know, we developed a very close friendship. Not that now when you go back and the NYPD people start seeing the guys I work with, start seeing me in pictures with Roger and, oh, oh, you're friends with Roger? Do you talk to Trump or whatever? I go, well, no, I, I'm friends with Roger. I don't know about this Trump thing because after he got indicted for that garbage that they said lying to Congress, which was all nonsense, uh, then, you know, there was no, he, he, I've never seen him speak to Trump in person or on the phone or anything like that. I mean, maybe recently, but that's a difference. This is way after the fact now. I'm not, not in the past. No, yeah, yeah. the whole time period, there was no, I never saw it. So, you know, the, the, the cops in the NYPD, some of them I work with are very, as you know, they're very envious of other cops. So they would say, well, what are you doing with him? Are you like his friend? I don't, I don't think so. You're just like, you're just like, well, us, you're, you know, so you, you, you gotta be his security. You work out every day. So what are you talking about security? Security. You don't see me killing myself. I'm making all these arrests. I'm doing all this overtime. I'm making my own money. I don't, I don't need money from other people. This is my friend. And when I'm maybe people don't understand how us Sicilians do it. When you have another Sicilian and your friends, it's like this. You're very loyal to each other. And if something happens to one, you're gonna follow right behind and go defend your friend. I mean, this is in our culture. So you can't. Some of these guys, you can't like put this through the head. They're obsessed and upset that I now I'm his friend. So you can start to see the worm, you know, turning. The world is turning now on me. Uh, so eventually, what happens is around October was the first letter. Now, where I worked was citywide traffic. Now, I was not a traffic agent or doing traffic there. I was there to be in a unit where it was the DWI unit. That's what I was very good at my whole career, DWI arrests. So I was in the unit, and uh, during the, the, the when COVID first happened, remember, they then changed everything around in the department. Yep. Well, they got rid of the unit. And what happened is CTTF started to shrink, meaning they got rid of cer- certain people that were there. There was too many cops or whatever the case was. So they got rid of these cops. So then um, 
certain cops that were gone started writing letters. They wrote letters about the people that were still working at CTTF. They involved the commanding officer. It doesn't matter what it is. You could say, I saw the commanding officer enter a, a place and he put down $10 to eat. Uh, I think he got it for free. I mean, this is stupid, petty things because these people are very envious that they got transferred, which, listen, it is what it is. You got transferred and there's nothing you could do about it. But one person in particular, and I know exactly who this person is because his name is on it, wrote a letter stating that I was uh, security for Roger Stone, that I was there at his sentencing, and he's a convicted felon. And uh, I also made uh, false arrests and stuff. Crazy. Just the whole thing is nonsense. Anyone with a half a brain would read this as a any investigating uh, body in NYPD looks at it and goes, this actually sounds more like a disgruntled officer more than there's anything here. Because if you look, every prosecutor, any uh, any of my uh, perps I had that were prosecuted, there was nothing fugazi about it. Okay, so that part they put aside. They 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 knew that was all garbage. But then they started focusing on the Roger angle. So enter January fifth and sixth. So as you know, I was in D.C. on January 5th and 6th with Roger. I went there to support my friend because at that time, Nidia, she had begun. We didn't know this at the time, but she didn't feel good. And this is what eventually led to her with the first signs of her getting cancer. So she didn't. She couldn't come, and they asked me to go be with Roger. So I go, okay, I got no problem. I'll be with Roger. And I knew he was supposed to have his own security there his real security, the security for the event that was for him. I'm not his security. But, yes, I was there. I went with all my stuff, with my ID, because you just never know what was going to happen. I mean, the patrol guy that does state, you're allowed to carry your firearm, and you're supposed to have your ID with you and your shield. I believe it's in the patrol guide. Now they're trying to say that they're trying to almost criminalize that for that one time because I had it. So uh, I went. I was there in D.C. No, I was never his security. Never. I've never been Roger's security. I was there as a friend and I'm allowed to carry what I want on me. This is in the patrol guy. So if I want to have my firearm, it doesn't mean there's anything nefarious with it. Every police officer, as you know, you could do the same thing, carry in 50 states. But they were, you know, there were some news agencies that wanted to make a big deal out of nothing and act like that rule doesn't exist. So I did go as a, I did go as a, a friend. So then a letter came in because obviously you saw what happened on January 6th. And no, I never been to the Capitol. I've never, I don't think I've ever been within 2000 yards of this place in my entire life. The closest I ever got to was driving off of a highway, I believe. And this was years ago. I've never been to this building. So I don't know anything that happened that day. You could say, oh, I don't like what I saw, whatever. In my personal opinion, there's things that happen there. You don't know the full facts because you never, I mean, there's all kinds of witch hunts and investigations going on to me and to you for any cop. It looks like a glorified trespass, but what do I know? I'm not in the, I'm on a DC uh, prosecutor. So, uh, and I understand some of them beat up some cops and vice versa. So that's a whole nother story. That doesn't look good. It doesn't look good that some of the cops let them in the building. That looks like entrapment, but what do I know? I'm just a, former NYPD cop, right? So January 6th happens. As I come back, I uh, I already got tipped off because they had this illegal group chat there in CTTF. I'm not even involved in other people that are no longer in the building 
sent me something and showed me that they were already discussing me being in, in D.C. So uh, eventually I got called in on January 25th of, the, of, of 2021, and it was in regards to this. And uh, the, the, the questions that were, were asked were, you know, were you in the Capitol? Uh, how do you know Roger? Yeah, are you constant drumbeat though is are you his security? I don't know how many times I've heard this question over and over again from them. They kept asking security, 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 security. No, I'm not his security, but apparently that must mean it's a misleading statement. That's one of the things I was charged with. So uh, that was the first investigation that the the, the first GO I had to deal with. So uh, that was about an hour and a half of the same questions and some pictures. Oh, you were pictured here. This picture, no, actually, that picture was from December of 2020. I don't know what that, you can't. So they were trying to almost trap you saying this picture, which was months prior or a year ago, wherever it was from someone else's uh, Instagram or whatever, this now constitute that day. You understand? Yep. The letter was written saying, I wanted a civil war in this country. Me. I've never stated this in my life. I never said anything about civil war. I don't know where this even came from. It was a blank letter typed up by some disgruntled cop or whatever we'll say. And, and, uh, and it said that that's what it said. And they actually ran the gambit with this. So after the first investigation, a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden the daily news, they write a whole hit piece about it. They, they uh, wrote, you know, Oh, you know, a letter was written. I forgot. It said some, unnamed cop said that this was a disgrace or something, but I was never there. And the worst part about this is Pat Lynch, Mr. PBA union leader, Mr. PBA and a PBA in general, never have stepped forward and said not one officer from NYPD was anywhere near this building or did anything criminal. That is a fact. That is a fact today. We all know that. But back then, nobody was defending me and was just leaving me for dead. So after the uh, Daily News article, uh, my father had gotten sick. Okay, he, I didn't know at the time he had brain cancer. He was in hospice. So eventually I, w- I had to go. I, I went to go see him when I finally could because it was all kinds of pressure on me. Mind you, John, I've been working full duty the whole time. I was never modified or suspended in my career. So I worked. This- throughout the whole investigation. It's right. And throughout this entire witch hunt, I still had a gun and shield and was asked to go write summonses and act like everything's hunky dory. And if I had to make an arrest or whatever, that's good. So those misleading statements that they're saying that I'm a liar, I'm no good. I had to be good because if I was to make an arrest, I would have to go in front of a judge and a jury. So I must I don't know. There must be a, con- a conflict there. So uh, my father had gotten sick. Uh, I realized that I had to drive now to, to in the hospital where he was in Pennsylvania. And I realized there was a car that was following me as I drove there. And, you know, I was trying to shake it off. But I said, this is a tale. And this is a tale. And it's got to be, it's either, it's going to be the NYPD or the FBI. It's one or the other. So I got to the, I went to the hospital and I went in, in the room. And I, unfortunately, these were the final moments of my father's life. And, and as, as he was passing away, you look out the window and there's this goon staring up at, at, at the window. I don't know what they were trying to get at, you know. So I had to get called in yet again in March, mid-March. This time, as I go in, conveniently, the Daily News once again put out an article that morning that I was supposed to go in to this geo. So you obviously can see that it's 
done purposefully. So I went in there and they actually also asked me questions about that article. It said something about a Venmo payment from, from Nidia to me. Oh, it, no, it's not a security payment. It clearly said reimbursements. I had come here in July of 2020. Uh, Nidia wanted me to stay, you know, because it was a, like a family thing they were having because finally Roger had gotten his sentence commuted. It was weighing in on the family. So I stayed at a hotel not too far from where Roger lived. So I paid for the hotel. And then she says, no, this is this is going to be, I, I want to take care of it because I, I wanted you here because you're like family and us. And this has been a very stressful time for us. And you've always been here for us. So that's what that payment was. It wasn't from July. It wasn't some nefarious payment about January, all those months prior. But you can't, you know, the daily news at the time was just trying to railroad me. So uh, I went in there. It was four and a half hours of being questioned about this stuff. Four and a half hours. Picture, 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 picture. That's all you have. Sal Greco's pictured with, therefore. Now you're guilty. It's guilt by association. This this picture, and they showed the same thing about, I don't know, 30 times the same picture from 30 different angles. And they started with a different angle and a different, and it's all it was is on January 5th, Roger gave two speeches, as you know of. There was one in front of the Supreme Court, and there was the other one that he gave later on. It was almost in front of the Willard at the plaza, Freedom Plaza. That was the two times that we stepped out. And the third time we stepped out when nobody saw was he went to get a haircut late at night. Uh, he went to the salon over there. It was a few blocks or something from the hotel. I don't remember exactly where it is, but we went there. And uh, that was it. Those were the pictures you saw. And on the morning of the 6th, when I couldn't get into the we, – we were trying to – I was trying to go with one of the security guys that he had. We were trying to get the tickets for me, for, for Roger. I, I mean, I can't get in without a ticket. You understand? Your lips is federal property. This is a rally. I, there was no way into this place. I don't know what a VIP entrance was. The only person I did ask, which is one of the things they said was a misleading statement, because I went over to a, a Secret Service police officer that was there, and uh, I had cut in because the security guy and him were having a conflict uh, speaking. So I stepped in and said, listen, hold on. Uh, I, do, I, I am a cop. I, I showed him his IDs. I don't want to get killed because he was getting a little nervous. And I said, listen, uh, I want to know what's going on. Like, how do you get in over here? And he told me, dude, I really don't know. I think the entrance is the other way because this isn't where the tickets or anything are sold. So noticing that this was quickly deteriorating, where there was many people out there, there was a lot going on. I went back, we went back to the hotel and I told Roger, I mean, I really didn't want to stay there. I, I've had a feeling that something was going to, it was already, something was up. Because nobody knows anything, and that never is good as disorganization. And then, of course, we ended up staying in a hotel. So that infamous video of us in front of ABC. You, uh, by the way, in D.C. that day, you weren't allowed to just be out in the street. If you were in your hotel, they wanted you in the lobby or outside. Those were the two rules by the mayor, whatever her name is, Mayor Mayor Bowser, I think her name. Those were the official rules of D.C. that day. That is why we stepped out. We weren't allowed to be in the lobby. So for anyone who thinks there's something nefarious, so it, it's outrageous to think anything. That's basically the whole story. So uh, they asked me about that. Oh, you were in the lobby. Uh, it's a stupid question. There's nothing. There's no, no, number one, I'm not his security. Number two, I didn't give you a misleading statement because I didn't tell this the guy, oh, I'm a police officer, let me in. I never even stepped foot on the ellipse. I asked him if he knew anything about how to get in there. I never used my position 
to curry a favor or get in. We, I didn't get in. We didn't even got any tickets. They're, they're, they're saying the opposite. That was one of the things we're saying misleading statement. After March, so after this whole, you know, thing goes down, now you're just sitting there and waiting. And I remember these PBA guys are there. Other than your the attorney, the other guys are like, uh, you know, this is this sounds like nonsense. You know, I don't think uh, if it was, let's say it was a Democrat or whatever, I don't think it's just because it's involving Trump and Roger. This is this is the mantra you keep hearing. So May came. I got hit with the charges. A couple of days later, I was transferred to all out, even though you have all these outstanding things on my record. They still because obviously you can see what this is. So I got transferred to the Bronx living in Staten Island. You understand what kind of a hassle that would be. So that went on for about six months or whatever it was. So basically, you got the highway therapy without even being convicted and it already convicting you on the job. So you figure, okay, that might this lighten up anything. I mean, I don't know what they're getting at. So later on, I came back and that's when the delegate runs up to me and says, you know, they're going to offer you 60 in the year. So that's 60 days vacation and a year probation. And I said, and he goes, you know, but I goes, but I didn't do anything wrong. I'm telling you. No, Sal, you did something wrong because you wouldn't be in this position if you did everything right. So when you're in a store and you're shaking hands with somebody that may or may not have a record and you see this guy every day because you knowingly uh, associating with someone who either knowingly uh, was uh, with conduct or criminal behavior, you know, and likely to engage in a criminal activity. You didn't do that. None of, none of the cops on this job do that. You tell me none of them do just do that. Just, just Sal Greco's guilty, right? So I says, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm nobody's security. There's never been a payment. I'm not even being charged with that. That charge was conduct prejudicial to the police department acting as uncompensated security. Uncompensated security. I don't know what that means. Uncompensated security for not only Roger, but also Kristen Davis. For anyone who doesn't know who that is, that's the, uh, her, you know, they know her as the Manhattan Madam. She's worked for Roger over 15 years. Uh, her, her history is well known. I didn't know the whole history because, you know, when I when someone's your friend and you meet them, you don't go, hi, I'm Sad Greco, we're from New York City Police Department. Do you have a criminal record? I must know because the department runs my life. I don't think that's how other cops do it, but apparently that's the way I was supposed to do it, according to these people. So, Sal, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, Sal, but I just want to unpack. You unpacked a lot of stuff there, and there's a lot of people that listen to this that aren't cops. So I just want to just highlight a couple of things here. One. With New York City cops, we are celebrities with the muscle, but without the money. Everything we do is front page of the paper. With that being said, we interact with everybody across this country, celebrities, athletes. Um, I have numerous high-profile friends that people are like, how the hell do you know that guy? And I know them because people genuinely like cops. They think cops are good people. I have friends that are, are I, I, I know cops that married. They, you know, we have a cop that married a country singer. We have cops that do exactly what Sal is, is saying. Go, to, go away with celebrities. Go away with athletes. Go to sports games that still are working today, that have worked in the past. This is common life not only as a police officer, but in New York City. So Sal, because of his relationship, gets a lot of jealousy in the department. And, for, and what he was saying is that somebody, 
he believes he knows who it is, wrote an anonymous letter to the Internal Affairs Bureau. Am I correct that that was anonymous, That's right? That's correct. They wrote an anonymous letter to the Internal Affairs Bureau. The Internal Affairs Bureau gets dozens of these letters every day from disgruntled cops. I personally feel that that is a huge integrity issue that a cop is able to write a lot of nonsense down on a piece of paper anonymously. You know, there's something called integrity. And to me, if I feel that Sal was doing something wrong as a police officer, as a supervisor, as as a man, I should be obligated to call the, the Internal Affairs Bureau and say, how you doing? This is John McCary. I feel that Sal Greco is a corrupt cop and these are my reasons. Oh, he's doing some X, Y, Z, and these are my reasons. But that's not what sparks this investigation. What sparks this investigation is a lot of nonsense. And most of these letters that come in for the Internal Affairs Bureau, and if any of you guys are out there listening and you're the one that writes the letters, I'll tell you right now, if I ever get in a position of power, you're going to be sitting down with a psychiatrist if I identify you. Because some of these letters are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. State all of these nonsensical points and all of these things it sparks an investigation for sal he is being demonized he's being accused of wanting a civil war so basically being an insurrectionist he's being accused of he's being accused of doing security for roger stone when the only thing that they have on him to to this point is one venmo payment so he knows roger stone for a long time they have one venmo payment made made from from Roger Stone's wife to Sal, how many of you had had Venmo payments back and forth to your friends? How many transactions daily on Venmo do we get from our friends? Um, so he gets hit with, with criminal association. Criminal association is a catch-all be-all in the NYPD. Who It's anyone that has, is like, or is likely to have committed a crime. Or is and I mean in New York City, I don't know. You know, Sal, you grew up in Bensonhurst. I grew up in Bensonhurst. That describes my whole neighborhood. Uh, that yeah. describes my whole family. That describes every person I interact with. And on another note of that, if me and Sal go out, or any 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 NYPD officer, you go out and you're dating. Maybe you're a single male or female, and you're out there dating. You can't run somebody's criminal history. No, that's a charge. That's a huge charge. And that is a huge violation of the law. You're using your position as a police officer to to get confidential information about somebody. So you wouldn't know somebody's a criminal. But I can see to the point that we wouldn't want our cops being with nefarious figures, drug dealers, um, people who are racketeers, people who are running illegal prostitution rings, people who that Sal's position as a police officer could be utilized in a nefarious way due to that relationship. I think that we could all sit here and agree that having a relationship with Roger Stone or Donald Trump or any political figure, even on the left, I, I don't see what's, what relationship having with a police officer off-duty Sal could affect as it could affect anything or use his position for any gain for Roger or for even himself as a New York City police officer. You know, so right then and there, it's super questionable. And my other thing is, if we think and if the NYPD at any point 
thinks that Sal is attempting to overthrow this country, if they think that he's running around, running a criminal enterprise and running around with criminals, why was he not stripped of his firearm the whole time he was under this investigation? And not only, and like he just said, he was sent on highway therapy. He was working at a command and he was sent to the furthest end of the city. Sal, where were you living at the time when he was sent there? I lived in uh, South uh, Staten Island, Southern Staten Island. So, so to get to where I had to go, which is the Bronx, which was the 44th precinct, I lived in the 123. So you got to imagine you have to, and you have to be in the middle of the day. So you have to travel through New Jersey every day. And there's the Yankee games too. So there's a ton of traffic. You have to leave early and just to make it there on time. And you get out at two or three in the morning as well. So, I mean, you, and then your days off change. You're in the middle of the week. So it's, you know what this is. So you're getting punished without being punished. But nobody's saying anything. Say, okay, maybe this is their way of saying what, but you don't know that because like I said, when the delegate came up to me and then he tells me, oh, you're guilty or whatever. I says, well, I'm not, I'm going to go to trial because I know there's something nefarious, not on my end, on your end. You're telling me I'm guilty. You're all pushing me to take a deal that doesn't exist. 16 a year. I didn't do anything. So we get to the, we finally get to now in between this time. Now there was an event I went to where I saw Mr. Pat Lynch, Mr. Union leader, Mr. I've been on the job 35 years, you know, looks right at me. He sees me face to face. I don't want to hear Pat Lynch doesn't know who I am because the attorney I have was personally sent from the union was their top guy. Okay. He knows exactly who I am. I'm all over the papers every day with this Roger and Trump and all this stuff they keep writing. So he's telling me by looking at me and then walking away and making sure he skedaddles far enough so that you can't, you know, catch up to him. He's letting you know all you need to know right there. I need to fill in the blanks. You get the drift with, 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 with uh, Pat Lynch as your union leader. So then the trial finally comes. First of all, the trial was four different days. It lasted over a month. It was all day affair. As these, this trial was going on, okay, there was a trial next door one of those days that would involve seven witnesses against the cop, and they were all abused or whatever, or he hit them or whatever it was that they, they were alleging. That trial took one hour. My trial took four days, okay? And all it was was pictures of this, pictures of that. Then Roger, on one of the days of the trial, he came. And all of a sudden, everybody got real serious the day he was there because now you knew you were in business. I don't know if they thought maybe I wasn't friends with him or they thought this was we're going to railroad. Now he's sitting there listening to this stuff, you know. So finally, there was one day where we finally get the investigator on the stand. OK, so the sergeant from Internal Affairs. So I looked at this and they, you know, to get my records you have to draw up a subpoena. But again, you this is an administrative trial, like you stated, not a criminal trial. So in administrative procedures, they you, they do things a little bit different. So they have to write a 49 up to get to uh, it's a that's a letterhead that goes up the chain to try to get your records. So they can't get your records for criminal association. That doesn't exist because you then you have to actually be a cop. You have to watch this the target and say, I'm going to watch this guy and see who he knows or does he talk to this guy or that guy. In this case, saying Roger Stone and Kristen Davis, who live in Florida, they had to resort to something. So what did they do? Because I didn't go to Florida. They told me not to speak to Roger in that first GO, by the way. So I didn't speak to him until 
I finally saw him at the trial, okay? And they were watching my every move. So uh, they, they had wrote on the uh, subpoena that to get my records, to get my phone records and all this stuff, criminal association and narcotics. So the argument from the sergeant is Kristen Davis pled guilty to some drug charge or something in 2012 or 13. Therefore, I'm guilty of this by being her friend. So he put narcotics. So we asked him, so you stating narcotics, but did you ever suspect Mr. Greco of narcotic use or dealing drugs or being around any kind of drug dealing or anything like that? No. He said, no, I never suspected him of that. Oh, so oh, then- oh, hold up. Right. Hold up right there. If this was a criminal trial, it's over. if this was a criminal trial, it is over right there. First off, that is a huge stretch. That is, there is zero nexus, and he doesn't even suspect you of narcotics. To me, he just perjured himself. To me, that's a perjure. Not only that, not only that, if you want to make the case that he did it in good faith with, with his stretch of with his stretch of the nexus from that you know this this Kristen lady who I don't even know, to be honest with you. I wouldn't know if I met her today. I wouldn't know if I met her as a cop. I wouldn't know anything about her, even if she told me, hi, I'm Kristen Davis. Great. How you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, like, um, and so my, my point is that that is fruit of a bad tree. That's what we talk about in legality. When we need constitutionality, you need a basis of law in order for a police officer or any investigative body to start an investigation. You need it to, to in order to bear good fruit, there has to be something criminal there. You have a friendship. That's it. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off and I want you to keep going, but I just wanted to highlight that is disgusting. That, that is absolutely that's disgusting. What we were thinking. But that there's absolutely more. there was more to this. So after he says, Oh, well, we never suspected him of that. What is the most easiest thing on this job, John? Oh, I think Sal Greco was on steroids. Of course you're on steroids. Of course you're on steroids, Sal. You know what? I'm looking at Sal right now. For those of you that aren't watching this on Rumble or YouTube, Sal's a good looking guy. He looks like Roman Reigns. You could tell he works out. Um Backstory on that one too, and I got a ton of stories for you. I'm not going to go into it today with, with working out and steroids and IB with telling people that they're dealing drugs. We could go on that offline another day because that yeah. that sounds like a common thread amongst all of these investigations. But yes, I'm doing midnights. My first two years, I lose like 50 pounds of muscle. I'm pale. Does not agree with me at all. I go to crime. I'm doing six at night to two in the morning. I put on 20, 30 pounds of muscle in an instant. Right away. Uh, overnight. He's on steroids. It's like, oh, yeah, no, no. It's just I'm sleeping now, and I work out now, and I eat better, and I feel better, and I see the sun. So go right. ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm saying, as, an, as an example, John, let's say you were accused of doing being steroids. What would be the next step for, for them? What would they do if they, Drug they test had you? So we asked Mr., you know, the IEB sergeant. So if Sal Greco, you said narcotics, it goes, did you dull test Mr. Greco for cause? You wrote narcotics. No, we didn't. Oh, but you still went ahead with a subpoena writing narcotics, even though you had nothing to do with narcotics, nor would you drug test them, and you got all his records. So, so, but, but, and then there's another point. So they profiled the way you look. If you're a muscular individual, that means that you do steroids. Is no, that... I'm, just, I'm using that as an example. Oh, of, right. course, of course, now with this whole point with the, with the, with the, uh, 
working okay. out. That is what I believe everyone keeps saying security for because I worked out because I'm in the gym. That's what it kept saying security. Because if I'm six foot three, I wait, I do that. People do say I look like Roman Reigns. Therefore, you must be security. That's the common, that's the drumbeat for this whole thing. Security, security, security. If I just walk down the street normal with no one around me, what are you going to think? I don't know. There's a guy, I mean, he's muscular, he must work out. But if I'm with somebody else, does that make me their security? Because any cop can walk down the street with somebody, anyone right now off duty, and you'll say, He's walking down. That's the guy that owns the diner. He must be his security. He's off duty. We could do that, too. We could play this game all day. But then you'd be in ridiculous because this is arbitrarily just being put on me. That's what they're doing. They just selectively select. You know, they're picking on me, basically, with this whole criminal association thing. So once he said that, we kept going. But the judge stopped my lawyer and says, well, you know, I think we could proceed with just this because it's an administrative uh, procedure. Okay, you got to understand that this thing had to go all the way up the chain to Mr. Resnick at the time, who was the deputy commissioner of IAB. He's a guy that should have retired eight, nine years before. He hung around as a civilian and made up a position just for him. The guy worked in in, uh, NYPD forever. He was like 70 when he finally retired. So this had to make it to him. They all approved this. They all approved this thing that said narcotics with no evidence of any narcotic use, Nothing. There's no allegations about narcotics. Nothing. He just made it up out of thin air using somebody else, which you can't do in a criminal. You just can't do this, period. This is illegal. So the trial went on. Obviously, then at the end, uh, you know, you have to wait about two months till the judge approves whatever he's going to you know, dole out. So the only charge they found me not guilty of is saying that was a member of the Proud Boys or the Old Keepers, which I never was being in a picture with them or them being around you doesn't mean anything. You just happen to be in the same area. They were doing security, yes, for Roger at one point. You go to many different rallies, you'll see different members of these little groups or whatever they are. That doesn't mean we know each other or, you know, you're shaking you're shaking the guy's hand and now you're the guy's best friend. You just meet somebody. I mean, cops do this all day long. How do you think we have informants? How do we talk to informants? You just like mind read the guy? No, you got to know the guy. You got to be, oh, you might get pictured with him. That means that what? I mean, this is the avenue they went down. It was crazy. So the judge that said I was guilty of the two criminal associations saying Roger and Kristen, they don't care that Roger's pardon, by the way. Just for this case, the DOJ wrote a memorandum for the NYPD in regards to Roger's pardon, stating that he's still a convicted felon, even though he's pardoned. They didn't do this for other people, just for Roger. They This just shows you who's really behind the, the, the curtain, we'll say. So two more months after that, it's now August. Finally, the day that Mar-a-Lago was getting raided, there was a knock on my door, and they finally said, you know, Mr. Greco, unfortunately, uh, you were terminated from the NYPD. That day was, uh, I believe, August 8th. The letter stated August 4th. Unfortunately, I was working in uniform for two days that I shouldn't have been when I was basically terminated. Sal, what were you doing this whole time? Could you just describe your work in the NYPD the whole time up until August 8th? What were you doing? I was working at Citywide Traffic Task Force, still asked to go out there, write summonses. Nobody cared about what was going on around me. Nobody gives a damn about you. It's business as usual. 
you're just another number. Uh, good luck, you know, whatever is going to go on in the future. You're going to have people that care about you, but the people that are really running the show just don't care. They just don't care about you. They're not going to care. They just want the final thing is, what are you, go- what are you doing for me? Oh, he's not writing a summons? He's no good. And by the way, I was forced to write the summonses. I was an arrest guy, and they got rid of all of that. And they made it impossible for you to make arrests because they would say, oh, even though you make an arrest, they assumed that even though you- I was just a DWI guy, so I didn't write summonses. I only wrote C summonses, which are the criminal court summonses. I was going around back when I was in Brooklyn South saying, okay, we have conditions in the park. These people live across the street from a park. They're calling. They called me personally, said there's people lighting fires. They're playing games in there. I don't know what they're doing. So I would go by there, write the 10, 15 summons where these people don't even come. They, they don't even live in Coney Island. They lived in like Connecticut. So who? why are they even there? I don't know. So they, they got the summonses. And then I would go back in the car and go look for my drunk driver. This is what I did. Now, writing regular summonses is not what I, I don't believe in. Right, the summonses, yes, they work. It, it's revenue for the city, but it's not. I mean, am I? I'm not getting anything out of writing a summons, right? And then they're saying that you profile people. That was another thing from city council. So you not only have to write a summons, you have to write another report, whether you write a summons or not. They want to see if you're profiling drivers. You just have a lighter gun, and you're just saying this guy's doing fifty. And then you pull him over or whatever, and you, even cutting a guy a break, you're still writing his information down. So for anybody out there that's been stopped, you should know you're in a database. You're not in the, two, the uh, stop question first database. That's history now. Now you're in a, you're getting stopped for a ticket database, whatever they want to call it. There's a database for that now. They'll probably deny all of this because that's all they ever do. And and so, what they're doing, but and what they're doing with that too is they're building a profiling case against every officer, because correct. by you writing a summons now you're self-reporting your own profiling case. Correct. So so you will be every cop on this job will be guilty of profiling, and profiling is completely based off of feeling, you know. So city council is based off of feeling. Um, we're gonna just we're just gonna hammer every cop and say, hey, yeah, look at all all the black people he stopped. Look, he predominantly stops men. Look, he predominantly stops whatever. It's ridiculous. I'll tell you right now. Depending wherever that cop works, the ethnic makeup of that neighborhood, that's who will be who he predominantly stops. You could see that without having that report. Sal, let me ask you, how was before you even got before you even got the termination? You know, you said your father passed. How was your mental health throughout this whole time? Like, what were your stress levels at? You're going to work. Now you're traveling from one end of the city to the next. What was your mental health like at that point? I was very stressed out. I, uh, I try to work out. It, you know, I always was a gym guy, but it was very, that's where I usually take all my stress out. You know, you run and there, but you know, seeing my family, my family was, has been through a lot losing my father. My father was everything in my family. They don't live. They didn't live in New York either. So they weren't that close to where I was, but they also cut me off from speaking to my closest friend, which was Roger or Kristen. They also mentioned some other people there's a famous place that's in Manhattan right now that I would go to that it was a uh, it's an Italian uh, it's an Italian cafe but yeah, apparently I, he was on my phone records I called him because he's also my neighbor oh well they says well they looked at now they looked at my phone records so I'm going to give you one guy and for instance my friend Frank Morano who works at WABC has a show there you know uh, at night uh he's my friend and he would call me call call me up and say listen are you okay 
you okay with everything? Because he knew what was going on. He was just worried about me. They must have ran him because on the on the document of the numbers, it says his name, his number, and on the bottom, no, uh, no convictions. So they must have ran him. They're running people. They can run your name, but no one else can. That's That's the best part of this whole thing. So they realized that this person that owned the cafe, uh, they ran his name and saw that he had something from the 80s or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what he did. They're telling me, did you know he's a member of the, he was a member of the whatever crime family or something? I said, everybody on this job goes to this place. He owns a cafe. I think everyone from inspector and above has been there. Well, guess what? You can't speak to him no more, and you also can't step foot in his place. Or, you know, then you disobey a direct order and they'll suspend you or whatever they're going to do to you. So you got to understand, this is what I'm facing. I don't have the people I know you're not allowed to speak to. You're not allowed to do anything. You're not, everything, every move you make, these guys are watching you. They say they're not, but they are. They clearly still work. So I really, you know, it was very stressful that I was working when I really shouldn't be out in the street because you have all this going on, your father passed away, but I didn't, you know, I didn't miss a beat. I was still out there. I was still having to do overtime. I still had the right to summonses, but was I really mentally happy and everything? No, because I, everything, my entire life had changed. I couldn't go on vacation because if you know, if I take a flight to Florida, who knows if you had the FBI or whatever waiting for me when they get off, because this is the way they were treating me. Because this IAB unit is works hand in hand with the FBI. That's the whole point of that civil war nonsense. So I really didn't know what to expect. And I just stayed on my toes and just try to try to stay focused and say, I just got to get to the end of this road, which means we ain't going to this department trial. And I'm going to know I'm going to find some kind of injustice here because there's no way for them to even know that I spoke to my friend or whatever that I go to the cafe there's something to it. And by by the way, this place is not on any list. You're not at the off limits and uh, prone Which locations. is another ridiculous thing, but whatever. Yeah. It it's not on any of those lists. Okay. And it's in the fifth precinct. Okay. Yes. So if anybody, anybody who knows any NYPD would know it's ridiculous for them. To, but when you're being targeted and you're being singled out, that's what happens. So that's why I ended up suing him. Now, my attorney, Eric Sanders, who was a former cop himself and has been suing the NYPD for many years. He could he could tell you outright this whole case is basically it's a it's a violation of my First Amendment rights and my speech. That's what this is basically is affiliation. It's all this is all nonsense. Okay, my rights have been trampled on, and you should everyone out there should be worried. It doesn't matter if you don't like Donald Trump, if you don't like Roger Stone, you may not even like me. But guess what? You have the freedom to associate with whoever you want as long as they're not some kind of mob boss or, uh, you know, criminal cartel leader. I mean, we're talking about a political figure. We'll go back in time. There was a time when it just so happens to be, there was a time when cops who either knew or associated with Martin Luther King Jr., remember that name, another Republican, may I add, you would be fired. If you were part of the NAACP, they terminated you too. There were cops back then and were taking flack from all kinds of angles. So if you want to go back in time, this has always been an issue with the NYPD. They're the ones, and the city of New York, are the ones running this crooked, corrupt campaign on people. Well, we don't arbitrarily like that you are hanging out with this person or that you know this person. 
So we're just going to find a way to fire you. If there isn't anything, they'll just make it up, which they clearly did in this in this instance. But the, if you go back in recent memory, Martin Luther King should strike a bell because there were NYPD officers that were his security or were helping him out or were pictured with him or were part of NAACP. And what happened to them? They were terminated. So that's what's going on here. This is a First Amendment issue. Okay, and he, and, and he did. It's equal protection. You're right. They are not treating me right. They didn't treat this fairly. They didn't look at this fairly. They just found a way says, we don't like Trump. We don't like Roger. And now we don't like you. And we don't care that you have an unblemished record and you went and you have all these uh, uh, guilty prosecutions. I never lost a case at court. Okay, so and I I also had to testify in a case while this was going on, a case that I had an arrest on somebody from 2019. By the way, I won that case. They were found guilty. So if I was no good, the judge could have said, well, we're going to we're going to we're going to find this case not guilty just because he can't testify because they knew this was garbage. It was garbage the whole time because they never committed a crime. But they're going to try to NYPD is going to try to paint me as the Michael Dowd of the NYPD. OK, that's what they're going to try to paint me as some piece like, of shit who was robbing old women of their money and selling and I, drugs and robbing the drug. And dealers. in this paperwork, in this paperwork, if you look at my lawsuit and everything that's in there, the NYPD admits I didn't commit no crimes. There's nothing yeah. criminal there to happen or on my record. So whatever kind of broad brush they're trying to paint, it doesn't exist. It's just an illusion like everything else. Everything else that they do. And it's just trample on every every cop's uh, right, you know, any any cop's rights, just because they don't like who you are associating with or who you're friends with, which is ridiculous. This is not the avenue you want to go down if you're in this country, because there's no freedom of anything. Then we're just going to become a real communist outhole. Might as well go down. If you're going to go down that road, that that's the road they want to go down, and that's New York City in a nutshell. No, so Sal, two things that really, really stand out to me that really, really bother me is one, I'm going to go that you're being accused of something. You're a 14-year cop. You've been involved in thousands of incidents and thousands of arrests. You're a 14-year cop. Next thing you know, you're on the front cover of the paper. You're being demonized. You know, your father passes. You're being followed. You're being told that you can't hang out with your friends. You're being told you can't go to restaurants. The NYPD does do that. He was talking about off-limit locations and unlawful locations. The NYPD can tell us when and where we can go, which I believe is 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 not is not correct. But you know that that's my personal opinion. Whatever it is, so they do that. So now th- this thing isn't even on a list, but they just tell him he can't go to his neighbor's cafe. Um, and you're being demonized. So one, they're basically saying you're not a credible witness because they're, they're saying it's out in the open at this point, at the point of your trial, at the point of your geo investigation, it is now out in the open. It is no longer confidential to you that this investigation is happening about you, right? So there's nothing for them to hide in order to continue to build a, a better case against you if they suspect you of something. So right then and there, if if they're going to go to go through this proceeding, you shouldn't be a credible witness to be testifying. But really, you are the prime case for suicide on this job. I have no idea. I don't believe they should take your gun because you did anything wrong in that scenario. I believe they should take they should have took taken your gun to protect you from yourself because you know what they speak a lot about mental health and they speak a lot about all that and I could tell you're a strong guy and I I know that I am too but these this job 
weighs on you. You know, it really does. And your whole career and your whole life, 14 years, was being a police officer to get to when maybe you could retire in your 20th or maybe you go past. Maybe you go seek further rank on the job. Maybe you had other goals. It's all being stripped from underneath you. Everything was being stripped from underneath you. So that's one huge thing that extremely bothers me. I don't think for what they're telling me that you should have lost your gun because from what you're telling me, from what your case was, I mean, I, I, I mean I, I'm jaded because I, from what I see, this is a political hit job. But from what they're saying, they should have took your gun. Not only for the integrity purposes of it, for the safety of the public and for the safety of yourself. So I think that was a huge failure. My other real, real problem with this is, and actually I got two big problems. One, they offered you 60 days. They offered you 60 days for anyone that doesn't know. That's a ton of money. That's 60 vacation days. That is money out of Sal's pocket. That is 60 days away from the police department, that is time that is much needed for police officers to decompress, de-stress. I would think after all of this, you would need at least a two, three-week vacation to get back there. I don't believe you would ever be the same cop again or the same employee ever again after being put through the ringer like that. But they want to take 60 vacation days from you and give you a year probation where in that year you could be fired for anything you commit to at that time. Now, you request a trial, you request due process, which I believe that we should all be entitled to, right? You said I didn't do anything wrong. You have no payment. You have one Venmo payment. I don't know what uncompensated security is. Do I do uncompensated security for my wife? When you go out on a date, do you do uncompensated security for the girls you're with? I can tell you right now, if we walk down the block, you're going to look like my security guard. I'm 5'9". You're 6'3". Like, that's it. They're going to be like, oh, who's, who are these guys? What are you guys going to do a shakedown? With yeah. that, uncompensated security is, is a, a myth. Not only that, they drummed up a narcotics charge with nothing on, on you. My biggest, biggest main problem here is that, is that they offer it to you. You ask for due process. And because you ask for due process, they then push to terminate you. Why? Why wasn't it? Why? That, that's retaliation. And the job is known to do that. And I know it's always told and it's been told to uh, numerous people. And I've said it to myself to numerous people without even thinking about how fucked up it is what I'm saying. What I would say is don't take it to trial. They're going to fucking hang you if you do. They're yep. going to make it worse. And that's what they did to you. And my last point, my third point in all of this. Whether you believe Sal was security for Roger Stone, whether you believe he was or he wasn't, the mayor in New York City was a police officer. While he was a police officer, he was associating with known criminals. Al Sharpton, Mike Tyson, Louis Farrakhan, known criminals. Not only was he associating with them. He was doing security for them while he was employed by the NYPD. He was charged with the same exact, the same exact allegations that Sal was charged with, except the evidence was much stronger. The evidence was much stronger in that case, and he received a penalty of 15 vacation days and went on. Sal was terminated 
for the same exact thing that Eric Adams did. And I'm not even just saying Eric Adams. If we really, any reporters out there, anybody really wants to do an investigation, look up how many people were fired for exactly what Sal did, the exact same allegations. You're not going to find many. You'll find many vacation days taken. You'll find many people who were put on probation. I don't believe that you'll. I I don't even believe you'll 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 fill a handful with the amount of uh, with the amount of times that is done. And there are people that do off duty security constantly unpaid. This is a routine thing. This is administrative. These are guys just looking to make extra money or whatever. And based upon what Sal's telling me and the evidence that they have. If I'm a judge or a jury, I'm fine. Sal not guilty right now. The minute that they that they that they did that subpoena, I I, I gotta say that that those are the, everything else is fruits of a bad tree. Move on. Leave the guy alone. He didn't do anything wrong. This to me appears to be a political hit job. One further on on just Eric Adams. I watched the documentary. Um, it was about the Supreme Team, where he says. Where Eric Adams says, prior to him getting on the job as a youth, he was uh, associated with the Seven Crowns. The Seven Crowns was a crew that, that out in Queens that eventually became the Supreme Team. So I, you know, I have a question: Did he, did he disclose that to the NYPD? Um, we have an inspector, Corey Pegues. I don't know if anyone's familiar with him. He came out. He wrote a book. He did a couple of documentaries. He said he used to run with the Supreme team. Kenneth Supreme McGriff said that Corey Pegues is full of shit and he doesn't know who he is. So that's another thing. But 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 Corey Pegues was stripped of his firearm license. He wasn't stripped of his pension because he did earn that. He did his 20 years in the police department and he made it through. Not a fan of his career and nor am I a fan of the rhetoric that he portrays today. But. With that being said, he was stripped of his firearm license for saying that he was associating with the same people that Eric Adams said he was associated with. Did Eric Adams put that to, put that on his application to the job? Was that investigated? And if not, why is that also a double standard? Why does Eric Adams, why did Eric Adams get to retire from his career? Why does Eric Adams still have a gun license? This is not equal protection under the law. Sal's case is that. Sal, you have anything you want to add on that? Well, you know, I, I did see uh, there was actually articles in the uh, New York Post. It was on July 8th of this year that described Eric Adams uh, was in the uh, documentary where he clearly says he did associate with the gang. Uh, as you know, uh, when we got on this job, we have to disclose any of that stuff. And like you said, at any point later on, if you do have your firearm license, which he did, because he did 22 years on the job, uh, they can strip you of this. Uh, also, in the NYPD investigation, is like you said, he was investigated for uh, the criminal association and being security, but he was never found guilty of that or anything. He was found guilty later on of a charge at the very tail end of his career where they said he did conduct prejudicial to the police department and it took 15 days for him. But right, that charge, that's the charge they said I did uncompensated security and they terminated me with. That's what the whole gist of it is. But with the NYPD in general, uh, if you're associating with your, a gang or whatever, I guess 
this had to some kind. I mean, did they know about this with him on the job coming on? And then later on, when he was being investigated, did they find, I mean, what, what happened here? Because this is what I'm talking about with the NYPD. They change the rules depending on who they arbitrarily like, don't like. Do you know someone? And this is all it comes down to. Is he politically connected? Is he not politically connected? And, and then you just move on. That's how the job has always worked. I mean, you know, another guy, Timothy Pearson, is another guy at the... Uh, he works in the administration. I think he's in charge of all, you know, all the buildings and getting uh, the money approved from the city. And he wanted he he doesn't have he did 20 years on the job, but he doesn't have his firearm or whatever. And he wanted his firearm license. He went to uh, Inspector uh, Bogle, who is in charge of that unit. And this is covered on NBC on uh, January 13th of uh, this year, 2022, because he was a former inspector. He got denied that 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 gun license. And then you wonder, because he was also investigated in his career. So why can't he have his gun? What is going, what exactly happened there in this whole, this whole thing? So, and I say this, you know, Eric Adams said it best on August 22nd of this year, uh, once again, in New York Post, when they kept bothering him about the uh, New York Times, the way he covered him. He said this, and I quote, you can't have a, you, uh, you can't have a rule for Eric and then have a rule for everyone else. And that's exactly what I've been saying this whole time, because due process, all basically it's been stripped. It's being stripped here, uh, saying it's equal, e- being treated equally. Everyone's the same. That's not what happened here. Uh, saying that oh, criminally a criminal association. Oh, you did this. We have fifty other guys that did the same thing, but you got to get terminated because we don't like that you were with Roger Stone and that you support Donald Trump. We don't like any of that. And and that's the whole gist of this entire case. And it's really, you got to, you got to be worried about the future because if how they're going to continue down this route and how many other jobs and how many other jobs in, in the United States has this happened to other people? And is this continuing other in other police departments? I mean, where else has this happened? The people need to speak up. So the other part of this too, uh, John, is that, uh, since I had to hire my own attorneys, I don't know if people also notice, besides all of this nonsense, okay, and I had to sue the NYPD and the city, I also was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. So I had to deal with all of that. This has cost me everything. I don't have, obviously, I don't have a job. I don't have a pension. I lost my savings. I also lost my father. My father passed away. There was no funeral. No one can afford anything knowing how many lawyers do I need here? So uh, I do have my own website, and the website is uh, helpthisnycop.com. Helpthisnycop.com. You could go there. Any generous donation helps out me as far as my defense. With I don't know. I, I also have to look into there's media publications because those jackals were writing things left and right that weren't true. They completely not only defame me, we have an incident where uh, the Washington Post published the video that was part of Roger's documentary. Uh, I never uh, signed anything about this, uh, uh, you know, waiver for this stuff, and they published it anyway. And that might become an issue. They also wrote that I was Roger's security. We all know that it's not true. It's never been found true. Conduct purchase of police department does not mean you're our security. 
uncompensated security is a made up charge. So uh, it'd be very, I, it, the people that have donated and have been praying for me out on my side. I really appreciate it. It's really helped me out. Obviously, though, the lawyer, there's still fees are still going on. So if you could do anything to help me out and be generous, I would really appreciate it. So in my family, uh, so in my lawyer, because he's taking all my money. But, you know, if we if this goes the way it should go, we'll all be happy with it because this should be the landmark case. So people could see this is what people have been dealing with for 50 to 60 years. I'm just the last person that this has happened to on this job since the inception of uh, the deputy commissioner trials and the whole trial room process. Because it used to be in the old in the 7 8 precinct, that room that's in the back that's near the cells and you make that right. That was the old trial room. So this has been going on forever. And by the way, these records are sealed. So I would love to see the discovery. I know they got some leftists running on Twitter. Oh, the, the, no, the discovery works the other way. It's the NYPD that has the records, not me. My record, everything is out in the open. There's nothing illegal. There's nothing criminal. The discovery is on the NYPD. If you see their records, you will see a pattern of this. It started from way back in the day, and like you could all do the research with Martin Luther King Jr., a Republican, the cops that were associating with him or liked him or did his security or whatever it was and were party and the AACP were terminated. They were terminated. They were, they were drummed out of the department because that was the figure of the day that they hated. Today is Donald Trump. Okay. So it's just, they just recycle the same thing and just press repeat. And that's all the NYPD has done. And like I said, like Eric says, you can't have a rule for Eric and then have a rule for everyone else. And that's, that's the gist of the entire case. So I, I'm very, uh, very appreciative that you let me on the show, John. Uh, I actually do follow your work. Yeah. I like that you had the whole expose on how the PBA union uh, donated 50,000 to Kathy Hochul hasn't given a dime to Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor because he's a Republican candidate. Uh, the, the money that's being used by the union uh, should be approved by the union. I don't know how this got through. He was just hoping that nobody would see this because God knows what kind of deals they're working. And uh, he's been there for what, 20 something plus years. And uh, yeah, his whole career, his whole, basically his whole career. He's been I can only say this yeah. to the cops uh, when it comes to the voting day, because it's almost like election day. We're, we're here with normal candidates, whether it's governor or president. Uh, when it comes to the election day of the union president, just because someone from the treasury or whatever comes by and hands pizzas, you don't now change your vote to vote for the guy that brought you pizzas. Cause I've seen that. And that's ridiculous. Okay. And there's also, I've seen some crazy things where in elections where you vote for a treasurer, but the treasurer gets to take the ballot box home so he can unlock it and change the votes or do whatever he wants. Okay. You need to almost change the procedures of how the PBA votes on things. That's the union. All right. Now I'm no longer there, but I still hear the same complaints. So these cops are really upset about the money that went to Kathy Hochul. They're really upset about that. This woman does not have the cops back. So I hope that on November 8th in New York that you're going to hear by the end of the night that Lee Zeldin is your next governor. Because if he's your next governor, trust me, things will slowly, they may not come back all the way to the great days of when Giuliani and then Bloomberg, who followed the Giuliani blueprint, were running the city. But at least you'll be headed back in the right direction. Because this direction where you have bums on the corners, 
that they, they, they first of all they need help they need mental help no one's giving them nobody cares they'll tell you all the double talk you want they go out there and laugh Eric is laughing about helping him nobody's doing anything about it you got guys shooting up drugs and narcotics all over the place all right your cop can't touch anybody because then he'll be either CCRB sued or your wonderful DA in Manhattan might charge the cop okay if he does anything wrong don't put a knee on somebody or God forbid the guy claims there's a knee on him you're now guilty you're guilty of it. that's just the way it works that's how New York City works these are the kind of things that need to be looked at and just go back to somewhat of some kind of uh, you know some kind of resemblance of how it was when you and I were on the job when we first started way back in those mid-2000s or early 2000s, when we're not saying the cops had to beat the hell out of somebody. We didn't. That's not what we're saying. Or we're not saying you have to rough someone up. Or But you can't have them in the academy where they, you know, we were running around for a mile and a half and people, the, some of the recruits did fall out, okay? And then the instructor would be like, what are you doing? You know, you need to be in better shape. That was then. Today, if he does that, that instructor is probably getting transferred, probably getting sued also, okay? We can't be having this because then the NYPD, what they teach you is to be soft. And you have to look out for your younger members, meaning tier three, because these are the guys that are up and coming. I see how they threw them all under a bus with the band-aids. That was a whole other thing. And I love how the city, you know, they're not even following a ruling by the judge. Oh, we're going to challenge it. They ignore certain rulings when it's against them. But the minute they get a ruling for them, they're enforcing it before the judge even puts the gavel down, okay? So this is what you're dealing with. And all I'm saying is you got to be headstrong. I mean, I wouldn't say look at me, but I was that, that was me the whole time. I knew it was coming. I could feel this coming, but I stayed there. Not, I didn't do anything crazy. I was working despite the fact that everything going on around me was chaotic. I still continued. I didn't do anything crazy. There were no CCRB complaints. By the way, there's only one in my whole career that was exonerated on for anyone that wants to look. All right. I didn't do nothing crazy. There were no allegations. And I suggest that all the cops need to follow. I know it sucks. You got to follow that model for right now because eventually, hopefully, something's got to give here. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. And I'm hoping it, it'll be Lee Zeldin for all, for all you guys in New York. All right. And you know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm reading crazy things every day. SRG's back in the street now. SRG, by the way, was the old task force, not the one I worked in. They never changed that. The old task force, they used to just be the, the crime deterrent of every command. They would send them out. Okay, some of them would stay on the footpost for a couple hours and leave, or they would write summonses in the areas they needed to be written, or they would arrest people because the regular precinct cops have a job to do. They have to answer radio runs, distress calls. They can't be doing everything because there's not too many of them, and there's even less to this day. So that's now the SRG is going to be going back to doing what task force did. Who did that wonderful move? Who changed all of that? Bill de Blasio, who's now, I don't know, changing his hair color. And I guess that that's making headlines. The guy should be in handcuffs himself. Him and his other pal there, uh, the other guy, unindicted co-conspirator Philip Banks who was involved in the Eric Garner case. Everyone seems to forget about that one. Who's now a civilian running the police department, just so everybody knows out there. Unindicted co-conspirator. Just read up on, on, on Philip Banks, okay? But, Phil, but Bill de Blasio is the reason for this latest disaster. You have SRG, because they made him a disorder control group. So now they're standing on a corner with an M16 
I don't know what that's going to do. You're not deterring anything when these guys used to help out the precincts who needed help that don't have the cops or the manpower to handle what's going on. And then those guys are getting flustered. And then it goes back to what you were saying. What goes on in a cops mentally when they're working all day under this kind of duress? There's no help. Everybody hates you. Your commanding officer is very, very hard on you. And if you don't do your job, you get threatened. You're going to get threatened with what? Transfers. You're going to have to, you're going to force you to work where you don't want to work. We're going to give you the worst. We're going to give you a full post. Uh, this is what you're dealing with every day. Other than uh, uh, President of the United States, the hardest job I believe after would be a, a cop, given in any kind of jurisdiction. Probably NYPD probably be the worst one. The so, worst one of them all is the NYPD. Pick absolutely. any department but the NYPD, any one of them but that. And that's that's basically my message. You got to keep, you know, just got to keep the focus on, on, on just finishing out the career and just hang in the credits. Uh, and by the way, if anybody does want to follow me on the social media, I do have Twitter now. I'm trying that out. I'm not the greatest on Twitter, though. So on Instagram and Twitter, it's at and Getter. It's at the Sal Greco, spelled T-H-E, Sal Greco. On uh, Truth Social and Gab, it's at Head of the Table. Of course, that's uh, a, a nod to Roman Reigns. Everybody keeps telling me I look like that guy. And then finally, on Telegram, I have my own channel. It's also at the Sal Greco. I like to uh, post a lot of different things. Obviously, I'm with Roger a lot. So, you know, things are happening now here in Florida. You got this whole Ron DeSantis is running for governor. We don't, you know, there's a lot of rumors with him and and, and going to uh, challenge Donald Trump for the Republican uh, nominee for president coming up. So there's a lot of excitement over here. Uh, you know, my life's kind of been a little different ever since I left. But, you know, I'm taking it day by day. And, uh, you know, I like watching your show and I'm I'm living vicariously through all of you guys now, you know. And hopefully you'll, you'll be supporting me. And then uh, about a month, this month in about three weeks is the first hearing in uh, my trial. So uh, in my case against uh, New York City. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it rolls. No, Sal, I wish you luck. I mean, you know, I'm not a... Like I, I'm definitely not a lawyer. I've been involved in many cases. I've been involved in many, uh, you know, many arrests, many trials. You know, from everything that you're telling me, you know, you were really shafted, my friend, and you know, a real double standard uh, based upon your political ideology. I mean, I believe that. I think that anyone that listens to this is really going to believe that. I appreciate you coming on, and just to just to double back on what you're saying, you know, anybody that wants to run. For any union president in the NYPD, you're more than welcome to come on here. I'll also invite. I'll also invite your uh, your uh, competitor to come on here as well. Your opponent. Uh, you know, I think it's. I think it's time we need a change. I think that anyone on this job is fully capable of running a union, being an honest person. And I think that's all we could ask. You know, um, I appreciate you coming on, my friend, because, you know, I get beat up a lot from both sides. You know, I get it, I get it from the GOP. I get it from the left, you know, because I call out bullshit. I really do. And I'm, I'm sick of it. I lost my career over it. You lost your career over it. I don't want to see anybody else lose their career over it. I don't want to see anybody go through the stress that you have went through that is you know, it's, it's awful. So guys, anybody that's still working, anybody that's on, you know, if you could help out Sal, help this New York cop.com, uh, you know, 
I would appreciate that. And uh, just double check what I was saying about Eric Adam and the seven grounds. Uh, check around who's in the police department now and tell me who you think is associating criminally. Who do you think was likely to engage in or has engaged in crimes? Because there are people running this job now in civilian titles that have engaged in in criminal activity and one more point sal was talking about the license division and the gentleman that wasn't able to get his gun permit but he works for the police department and just another follow-up on that they actually tried to civilianize the licensing division and the commanding officer hugh bogle he stood his ground and he he stopped the meeting and he went right to his higher-ups because he said you know this is huge integrity issue it's ripe with corruption we did have a huge scandal in there when Phil Banks was the chief of department. Um, and, you know, I just want you guys to, to keep a clear head, you know, and I know I, I, I appreciate you guys listening. And, you know, I, uh, and like I said, I'm just here. I'm not perfect. I'm not right about everything. I'm not, I'm just here. This is unfiltered conversations. These aren't scripted. Things are going to come out. You might not like, call me out on it. You know what I mean? Call me out on it. You got something to say about Sal. Call us out on it. We're big boys. We got thick skin. We were cops for a long time. You know, uh, I welcome any and all criticism. And again, you know, Sal, I appreciate you, my brother. I'm praying for you. You know, please, please keep us up to date. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have you back on in the future. Thank you, John. I'm always, uh, you know, I'd love to come back on when uh, hopefully I have uh, some uh, better news and everything. And then hopefully uh, I could get uh, Roger when he's not uh, busy or whatever he was doing today. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd love it. Absolutely. And uh, vote Lee Zeldin, vote Joe Pinion, vote Mike Henry, vote for Ron DeSantis if you're listening in Florida, vote for Ashley Moody if you're listening in Florida, uh, vote Marco Rubio if you're listening in Florida. Listen, and I know some of these Republicans are full of shit. You know, I, I called out uh, Nicole Malliotakis a lot, but listen, you can't let Max Rose take take the thing. You got to vote for Nicole. If I'm there right now, I vote Nicole. Nicole, I'm sorry, but you sold us out a couple of times. I hope you do better this time. Well, I'm pulling for you. I want you to get back in. Vote red down the line. Restore the order. Everybody, the great and powerful, Sal Greco. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. God bless.